Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Today, in our uh, closing series sermon, you asked for it. We're going to be talking about navigating the narrow road and the, the... the phrase under that, just to help us understand, well, which approach are we taking to, to this at this point? And he was on the road to recovery. He was doing well. He was healthy, making good decisions. And actually, he was holding down a steady job now for the first time in several years. He found a church to call home and was even wanting to get baptized. But somewhere along the journey, he started to play with his past, and before long, he was back doing drugs. He showed up to, he showed, excuse me, he showed up high to a young adult event with his girlfriend, and that was the last time I ever saw Jeremy. And this isn't a random story, this was our church. And this was a a man, a young man, who graced the hallways of our church building, sat even in the front row during a Sunday morning service. And he showed up to a a young adult getaway, a weekend getaway, high with his girlfriend. And for for many other reasons, he could not come. Firstly, he brought an animal, and, and we specifically said, you cannot bring a dog to the place where we are going. So they decided, well, we just can't come anymore. And that was the last, one of the last times, I think maybe one more time we saw him, um, he never got baptized. He, in fact, his girlfriend was not a drug addict and did not have that in her history, but he pulled her along that path. And it was a short, few short weeks later, I got an email at the church saying, uh, just letting you know that my boyfriend, who was now her fiancé, passed away um, because of his addictions and, and whatever decisions and choices he was making. And so... I know that that's not a a light-hearted way to introduce our topic, but it's on purpose because it goes back to what we were saying during worship. This whole series about questions and answers is, is not about just passing time while we're in a school waiting to get back, but this is the difference for some of us between life and death. We have to understand that. And my prayer for each and every person here is we choose life. And the best way and the best choice we can do that is by choosing Jesus. Because he declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so there is no better life you can live than with Jesus. In fact, he said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. So to enjoy it to the full, its full extent, not just like I enjoy three quarters of life or I enjoy one third of life and the rest is miserable and I hate it. No, no, no. Life with Jesus, it's not easy, but we are to enjoy it. And therefore, church, I, I say it's not to be endured, but it's also to be enjoyed. We should enjoy coming to church. We should be able to laugh and smile with one another, have a great time. But then there are moments where we need to pray and cry with one another. Absolutely. We need to be real. We need to be the church. And so this morning as we talk about navigating the narrow road, I wanted to start, it's not dramatic, it's real life with Jeremy's story because he's not with us today. You know what question I asked 
After that, I was stunned. I said, wow, this is not just a, a newspaper headline. It's someone I literally prayed over and, and spoke to many a times. And, and this is the reality. I said, wow, did I blow it somewhere along the line? Was I not just too casual with him? Did I give him Jesus in Jesus' fullness for him? And that's, those are the questions I struggled with as someone who interacted with this young man. So today is not just a day to say, oh, it's one more week of Q&A. I want you to know that every conversation you have during the week could be the difference for somebody between life and death. And if you have Jesus, you have life to offer and to give. So would you stand with me real quick? Matthew chapter 7, two verses I want us to read, but we stand in honor of God's word as we read it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. If you're there, shout amen. 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 Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 says this. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Say only. Only. Say narrow gate. gate. There you go. Only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the conversation we will have about how to be set apart in a world that invites us to be the same, just like them. And Holy Spirit, would would it not be us speaking, but your spirit? Would it be you speaking to every single heart, to every single situation today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you be seated? You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The opposite of the narrow gate is a broad road that leads to destruction and eventually hell. And that's the road the Bible is telling us that many are on, but few are on the narrow road. And I once heard an evangelist, Tom Graziosi, he's an American, but he's preached, I think, in many of our churches. And he said, it's not that people don't understand the gospel, that they don't change their life. It's that they do. They understand what it entails and what it requires. And they simply are not willing to change their life. So the highway is broad that leads to destruction and hell. But narrow is the road, and narrow is the gate that leads to life. And I want you to know today that as a believer, we are called to walk the straight and narrow. Is it easy? No. It's difficult. Because it demands something of you and of me. It demanded something of Jesus that he had to lay down his life. You say, yeah, but he was fully God, even though he was fully man. True. But did he not pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, let your will be done. And Jesus knew this was the will of the Father to to go all the way to the journey of the cross. And so here we stand, and I'm not saying life is easy, but I'm saying are you willing to sacrifice the comfort of this world, a.k.a. it's a little hot in here, it's hot outside, but that's okay. 
We are here. We are the church. We are gathered together to receive together. Are we willing to sacrifice a little bit of the comfort that the world offers us in order to enjoy a beautiful and wonderful eternity with God? You don't have to answer it. That's okay. But think about it. Because today this is the question. And not only is it for you, but it's that I want to bring others along the journey with me. And as a Christian, saved... Okay, let's take it another way. Hurt, you've heard this phrase, hurt people, hurt people. Saved people, save people. And it's not that I have the ability to save someone, but Jesus already died for everyone. So what I've received from Him, now it's my responsibility to make sure someone else can receive the love of God like I have received. So this is the beauty of the church. We are still on mission. We still have work to do. So we don't have time to play church. We have to be the church. And so with that being said, I just want to share two more quick verses. At our staff meeting this week, I told Spencer, I apologize last week. I just had to uh, share everything that I had. But this week, I'm much more concise and to the point so we can actually get to your questions. But 2 Timothy 2.21 says this, If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil or a tool for honorable use. You will be set apart, basically, for God to use Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. And then Philippians 3.20 reminds us, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. We are citizens of earth. Well, I have a passport, but I have another passport. It's much bigger. And it tells me that I'm a citizen of heaven. So that's where my real home is for the rest of eternity. And though I'm here, I'm here but for a a season of life. The Bible also tells us that our bodies are earthly vessels, earthen vessels, containers. But really, my spirit will live forever in eternity with with Christ. And one day he's coming back soon. Do you believe that, church? He's coming back soon. I don't have time to take it easy anymore. I don't have time to just relax. But on that narrow road, I have to make sure that I'm bringing people with me. But oh, is the wide road that leads to destruction very attractive. Why? Well, there are a lot of people on that road. It's like going to the mall. And usually the right side, everyone's going this direction. And on that side, everyone's flowing. But if you venture by accident because of a store and you start walking on the other side, everything is coming against you. That's almost how it feels like to be a Christian in today's society. It's like, why is it like I'm going upstream? Well, because everyone's on the broad road going this way. You're trying to stay on that narrow road. So with that being said, just to set the foundation for um, our questions that we're going to tackle this morning, uh, I'm going to invite Christina Martinez. Would you give her a hand as she comes? And... uh, First, wait, hold, relax. She's, she's excited, but I'm excited that you're on the panel. It's, it's not easy to stand up here and to answer questions that you're asking. Some of them are going to be live via text message. So I thank you for doing this. Just tell us your name. Tell us how long you've been in our church and what areas of ministry you serve in. 
My name is Christina Martinez, as many of you already know me. Um, I'm sorry, what was the second question? <laughs> uh, we've been here for about uh, eight years, almost eight years. And um, uh, the area of ministry, um, I started helping the women with uh, the cleaning or the, the food preparation. And I enjoyed that for three or four years under Lena's supervision and that was that was a great joy to serve the church in that department and then from there on God had been calling me for many years and I say many years um, to uh, run a woman's ministry I never felt the capability I know this is not testimony time so I'll make it really short but uh, yes I, I run the women's ministry at Western Road Thank you. Just stay here for a second. Our second panelist will be, I'll say Abraham. It's Aaron Levesque. And if you want to annoy him, call his last name. You say Aaron Levescu, and then he'll get really upset. But um, tell us how long you've been attending Weston and what area of ministries, areas of ministry you serve in. Uh, I think that I've been here for about four years now. Praise the Lord. And uh, I serve in... Teaching the young kids, which is a great joy. And also, I'm the, the head of the, the greeters here at Weston. Thank you. So give them a hand collectively now as we take the, our place at the front. And then Spencer is going to be our moderator. If you have questions, you can text them to the number that you find on the screen. And I turn it over to you, Spencer. Awesome. So the number you can text your questions in is 647-994-2111. All right, let's get started with our first question that was emailed in prior to. Do you think the desire to fit in, aka everyone's doing it, slash has it, slash saying it, is jeopardizing the call for believers to walk the narrow path? If so, how? Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, I'm going to say yes. Because God has called us to be separate from the world. Like Pastor John gave the example that uh, everybody walking on the other side of the mall. That's what we're called to do is to walk against the curtain. As we're going in that direction, we have to try to grab as many people as we can, right? Because like he said, Jesus is coming back soon. And we have a limited time to impact this world for him. And... um, What I see there, because it says, jeopardizing the call for believers. So what it reminds me of is a lukewarm Christian. Because he's a believer, but he has one foot in the world, trying to have what everybody else has. Trying to watch the same movies as everybody else is watching. But we're called to be holy and set apart for the Lord. Um, I have a friend who's a pastor in Chicago, and he puts lukewarmness in this way. He says, lukewarmness is a posture of the heart... That, ele- that has elevated material wants and pursuits more than spiritual matters. And it's justified by a self-deceived attitude that I'm doing better in my Christian walk than I actually am. That, that's rough. We need to examine our hearts daily and make sure that we are on the straight and narrow. And we don't want what the world has. We have Christ, you know? So that's my step. These questions are not easy. Uh, There's so many things we could say. But uh, yes, uh, we are called to be set apart. 
And I particularly, as my own testimony, when God called me to be set apart, I remember uh, when I finally said yes, then the next question came. And through the Holy Spirit, I felt the Lord saying, but are you willing to walk alone? And that is not easy. Saying yes to that is very difficult. And the second part to that verse that the pastor read, it says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So it's not easy to follow Christ. Many people think it's just, I accept Jesus Christ and that's it. I'm I'm saved. I'm going to heaven and I just lead a regular life. We want to be accepted by everybody. We want to be popular. And that's a common thing pretty much in everybody. But it's not easy. In the line of work that I do, I find myself challenged pretty much every day. I work with uh, about 98% of the workers there are men and ask me how many challenges. I could give you story after story of how God has challenged me almost on a daily basis. So we are called to be set apart. And uh, our life has to um, reflect Christ if we are called to be a light because he is a light, then what does that light look look like? Mm. And we are to follow Christ in his steps, not in ours. So it's not about grabbing one verse and applying it to our desire or our needs. It's applying it and asking the Holy Spirit, how do I apply it even though I may not like it? How do I apply this verse to my life to honor you? Awesome. And for me, I think of Romans 12, verse 2, where it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. There's a reason why the the Word of God is instructing us to not copy the behaviors and patterns of this world or the customs. And it's to do it the, the way we think. So the more time we spend with the world, so to speak, or, or accepting how the world thinks, the further we get from who God is and who God created me to be, who God created us to be. And uh, with that, I just really want to say that it's, it's easier to be like everyone else. It's harder to live the way God calls us to live. But the reward, there there are two, I don't know if you could say rewards, but on one end, it's destruction. The other one is life. So the choice really, we have to look at the what happens at the end. And I think we should base our decision on, on what God's word tells us will happen. That's awesome. All right, question number two. I'll read the verse that goes along with it. It says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge of my law and where I will reveal my my will. What are some evident ways where our lack of knowledge is hindering us from daily being sanctified? Some evident ways where our lack of knowledge. Go ahead, Aaron, whenever you're ready. Okay, I struggled with thinking of what to say here. But uh, a few verses came to mind. It says, My people are destroyed for, for lack of knowledge. And in brackets it says, My law where I reveal my will. 
I believe that if we don't spend enough time in the Word, and like even, even the world will tell you, go to school and study while you're young because the fruit of that later is good. You know, you'll, you'll be able to relax later and take, take it easy, right? Mm-hmm. We need to study the Word to show ourselves approved, okay? How do you know how to walk in the will of God if you do not know the will of God, right? So... Matthew verses seven twenty one says, Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I took it a bit further. I went into Psalms. I remembered a few verses that we spoke about at 1FNL. And it says that the word, sorry, Psalms 119, 105, says, Your word is a lamp, Uh, unto my feet and a light unto my path so this word lights up how we should walk in this life and if you're not in this word you're walking in the dark and you will fall you will stumble try walking around your house even though you know it i kick random things all the time in my house you know so another one in psalms 119 9 to 11 it says how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word with my whole heart I seek you, and let, not, let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. With this question, I did find it difficult myself. Um, because how do you pinpoint it down to one? But the word that I can best describe it is how um, can we be hindering our lives on a daily basis to be sanctified and for me the word that came was pride pride can be the root to many of our wrong decisions pride can be the reason that we're not submitting a lot of our sin over to god because we don't want to let go we want our our pride wants to take over and we want to rule above god we want to make a deal with god you know if this is possible um Second Chronicles uh, 7.14 is a verse that really stands out to me because it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And I want to stop here because I don't know if you've ever done it, but I know I've done it in the past until God revealed that we are not, we many times pray and say, God, humble me. God's not going to humble you. That is your choice. Mm. He may humiliate you. But he's not going to humble you. That is your choice. You have a free will to literally submit your pride over to God. And it it continues saying, my will, um, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. If you are seeking God's face, I'm telling you, you're not going to be fiddling with the world. Because the Holy Spirit will give you testimony of what is right. And what is wrong? And if you're, if the Holy Spirit isn't able to speak to you, is because the pride is bigger than your desire to serve and really seek Him. And it says, um, if you humble themselves and pray and seek My face and turn from their wicked ways. And if you really think about what wicked ways, it's not the extremists that we think. Simple things can really be wicked in the eyes of God and turn us far away from Him. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And now God would say, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. 
why has God stopped answering many of our prayers? If God said we could even raise from the dead, what is stopping a lot of the miracles from happening today? We have to look at ourselves, not pinpoint at others, but look at ourselves and say, Lord, help me. Because I want to humble myself. I want to take the pride away from me. Um, That's about it. When I think about that verse, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. To me, it comes down to how well do we know what God already said? And are we living that out already? And when I think about um, Adam and Eve... The tactic the devil will use is to take what God said and twist it. And he said to Eve, did God really say that you cannot eat of this tree? And all he does is he takes the truth and he twists it. That's what the enemy does. When you know for yourself what God has already said, I have knowledge of the word of God. And I have an understanding now. Then I'm able to respond and say yes. This is what God said. And in fact, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he responded because he knew the word. And he responded with the word. So to answer the question, in my daily life, to be sanctified, I need to know what God said. Be holy for I am holy. Okay, so how do I do that? Well, I have to, like Christina said, remain in him and he will remain in me. So every day it's my choice that I would remain in Him. Be holy for I am holy. Then in what concerns healing? If someone is sick, well, I, have, I might have my own thoughts about why they're sick and how they can get better and all of this stuff. But when I know the knowledge, I have knowledge and understanding of God's Word, I'm able to say, no, Jesus died for, for our healing. So therefore I can pray for every, every day, I could pray for people to be healed, and I should expect to see them healed. Mm-hmm. But am I doing it? And if we don't do those things, then I think that we're not putting into practice what has already been written and given, and then we are on the road to perishing or being destroyed because we have a lack of understanding or a lack of knowledge of what God actually gave us as tools and authority and power through Jesus Christ and the power of His Holy Spirit. So I, I just think it's when we know His Word and have it and we hide it in our heart, like Aaron quoted Psalm 119, Thy Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against me. So it's also a compass for sin and right living. And it should help me understand the difference between what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. So my, my, that's from my yeah, response. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, question number three from what was emailed in. I've given my life to Jesus, but then I've fallen into sin again. I repent and I'm forgiven, but then I keep falling into the same sin. Will I still enter the narrow gates of heaven, or is my life blotted out of the Lamb's book of life? It's a harsh question. Yeah, that's rough. Um, I would ask the question of do you know what repentance means and have you truly repented because it does say in psalms i think that the righteous will fall seven times and get back up but that the wicked will die in their calamity um 
Yeah, well, First John 2, 1 to 2 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the world. This is in regards to a person that is living righteously and happens to fall into sin, that we have a covering under the wings of Jesus. But further in 1 John, it says, everyone who makes practice of sinning, so constantly, if you're always in the same sin, you really need to check your heart. It says, everyone who makes practice of sinning also practices lawlessness because sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or knows him. There's a lot of people, a lot of Christians, that will say that they know Jesus, but Behind the scenes, we, we, we might not know anything about these people, right? But don't, do not be fooled. Jesus sees everything. Okay? He is the God in the secret places. It says, whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil... No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. We have been born again. We are new creatures in Christ. Right? He didn't only die to take away the sins that we've done or that we might do in the future, but he also did that so that we would have the power to overcome those sins. Right? The enemy is going to try to take you down for your entire life. Every single day of your life, the enemy is coming after you. Don't be fooled. But Jesus sees all. And he sees when you're in his word. And he sees when you're trying to strengthen yourself. And trying to keep yourself holy and pure. And he is our defense. That's good. This is a, a question that uh, I wasn't sure. I didn't like it. I didn't want to answer this one <laughs> because I, we have a lot of experience in this area. Unfortunately, me and my husband were able to, um, I don't know if you want to call it mentor or um, counsel, somebody that, uh, you know, one of the first responses with his life, he proclaimed he was a Christian and he would even testify to people but his fruits were atrociously um, against everything that you know in God's word and my question to this and to this question is are these people really saved and convicted of their sin have they really understood like uh, Aaron has said did they really understand the depths of the gospel or just simply, are they convinced that, yeah, this could be a better way? And maybe this will help me in some of my addictions. Um, 
there's a verse, verse uh, Matthew 6, 21. Uh, it speaks about where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. And I know that we want to apply that maybe to the finances or wealth, but I think we can apply this also in many areas of our lives, including uh, this. Where is your heart? Is it really, truly seeking after God's heart? Or are you there to just selfishly continue because you believe that once saved, always saved? That's not what the word of God says to me. And I know this is a very contradictive subject because I've heard ministers argue over this, this subject right here. But uh, Revelation 24, um, sorry, 22, 14 says, Blessed are those who do his commandments. In other words, his will, that they may have the right to the tree of life. So if you don't do his will, you follow his commandments, you do not have the right to the tree of life. Um, and there's one more verse I would like to share, which is uh, verse 22:18 in Revelation. And it says, for I testify, and I believe this is a warning to all of us, to everyone I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds or removes, I will remove. It it continues saying, um, if anyone adds or removes, I will remove them from the book of life. So we cannot add to the word of God. We can't apply, well, what that really means is, you know, everybody's doing it. Everybody, um, you know, saying it, everybody, uh, you know, we want to justify our sin, but we have to apply the word of God to every situation in our life. And then we can bring glory to him. He will, he does say, come, come, enjoy freely but he wants you to come. You have to hunger after God's heart and he will fulfill. He will help you in the areas that you find difficulty uh, dominating, but you have to seek him and want him above everything else. And uh, I just want to add to that because a lot has been said, a lot of good and a lot of scripture, but very practically, if uh, and this is for anyone, if there if there's a pattern of sin that keeps repeating, we have to stop and back out and say, well, what is causing this pattern to repeat? So, for example, if it's when you and your girlfriend are at home alone, and that temptation comes to fool around and to to do things that married couples are only supposed to do, then. Don't be alone in the home with your girlfriend together. Always make sure people are around. Don't go off and close yourself off in a closed bedroom. Or You know, like there are practical things that we also have to be aware of. Don't go on vacations alone. Don't take trips alone. If you know that those kind of temptations happen. Um, If it's something to do with pornography and you notice a pattern, it's when it's late at night. It's when... I should be in bed already, but you're still up when everyone else is sleeping. Break the pattern because the end result will not change if you don't change your behavior or change what leads to that end result. So you have to really consider what is, what is the pattern, discover it, ask God to help you, and then break the pattern. And probably for almost every answer of sin... It is stay close to God and God's people, the real church, 
because uh, there are people, like Aaron said, who might say they're Christians, but then they'll easily turn around and go do sinful things. So find people that you can be accountable with, number one. And number two, don't be alone, because oftentimes that's where the pattern would start. So I, I submit that. Awesome. Um, for the sake of time, I'm going to have one person answer each question. Christina, I would love for you to answer this question. Um, why does it seem that most people on the broad highway are happier than most Christians? Well, sin is appealing. Satan wants to make sure his whole goal is that you deny Christ. He knows his time is short because God is coming back. So he wants to take as many with him as possible. So he makes sin very appealing. He makes it interesting. He makes it look like you will be happy. And all you have to do is turn on the television. You don't even have to watch a movie. Just look at the announcements. Everything that they sell, from a spoon to a glass to a car, has to do with a, a, a sexual look of a woman, a sensual look. And it makes it look like you want to have that car because you're going to be happy and possibly the woman doesn't come with the car. <laughs> if not, ask my son. It's not included. So... Um, yes, he makes it very appealing, but what is the end result? I have uh, the line of work that I do. I have a lot of people on my vehicle that are very sick. Some are just illnesses, and some are because of their, their sinful life has caused them to end up in a wheelchair or completely uh, disabled from neck to toe. Um, Bill is a product of my bus. I praise the Lord for his life for that one morning that uh, I honored God and I took, I, I was able, I want to I say one thing. I know, very, very short. I do not rob my company or my boss of the time. Every morning that I leave my house, I pray and I ask God for the possibility to open doors and he does. Even on my job, I can still honor my boss, and I won't go into details be, because of the lack of time. But he has given the possibility of arrive early to a place where I have no choice, and I have to sit there by our regulations, so I have to wait for my customers. And if my customer is out early, well, guess what? God has just opened an opportunity. And that one morning, I'll never forget, almost a year and a half ago, I saw a knee. God revealed that there was something there. And I had picked him up a few times and I just good morning and off we went. And I dropped him off at his destination. That was it. But that one morning when um, we had the possibility, I just asked him what was going on. And I was able to pray. And here he is. So in saying that, what was the question again? Why do people on the highway seem happier? They seem happier. But I'm putting him as an example Ask him. He can personally probably tell you about his own life. Ask him if he's happier now or he was before. He wasn't always in a wheelchair. So you can ask him. That's all I'm going to say. Awesome. Aaron, I'll have you answer the next question. One minute. One minute. So how do you navigate being friends with a person or a group of people before you were saved and now you're saved and you have this this standard and you're on the narrow road how do you um navigate uh, compromising yourself with your friends um and making a difference where do you find the balance of that okay so 
personal testimony, I went about it the wrong way. I had a group of guys that I was very close with for 15 years. And once God got a hold of my life, I noticed that every time I was with them, I kept slipping into sin. And there was a whole battle inside me up here in my heart. You know, I, I, I love these guys. I want to be with these guys, but I love the Lord and I want to be with the Lord. And um, so what I did was I left. I just turned my back. I'm like, I'm following Jesus, no turning back. But I feel like that's the wrong way because God calls us to be an example and be the light and be the salt of the earth. And I even asked another pastor for advice and he, he told me what he did. And if you can, this is what you do, okay? You tell them, I got to do this God thing. I have to do this God thing. I know that God is real. I know that he wants me in his life. I know that he's given me life and he has a purpose for my life. And if you are truly my friends, because they, they, they loved me, right? If they are truly your friends, they will understand. They will let you go. They will still invite you. My brother Callian, who's teaching right now, he's doing a great job, you know. Um, he's giving advice to his friends, and we're seeing the fruit of it. We're seeing the change in the lives of his friends. Because I told him, don't make the same mistake I did. Be the salt, be the light. And, um, but definitely, definitely do not fall into the sin that they will try to drag you down in. Right? Keep yourself holy and pure and be that example of Christ. Awesome. Awesome. Pastor John, I'll have you answer this last question, and then you can close this out. Um, if I'm supposed to be holy, how can I tell the people that I'm supposed to be separate from about Jesus? So you're on different paths. You're supposed to be in one direction. How do you communicate where you are to them? Part of it is just let your light shine. The light of Christ, and Aaron pretty much alluded to the salt and the light. Um, you can cut yourself off completely. Uh, I can't tell you what to do, but you can ask the Holy Spirit. And like Christina said, if you pray for an open door, God will give you, and He'll let you know when they're there. But I would say this, the, the way to confuse your friends is to compromise. The way to confuse them is to say, oh, I got saved and I follow Jesus. But you talk like your friends. You, you, you do all the same things they do. You go to the same places they go. And they go, well, if, if you call yourself a Christian and you're exactly who I am, like what's, what's the whole point? Why do I need Jesus then? So I think you need to show them that you are different. Because God saved you. God saved you. He gave His life for you. Now... You have to figure out, with God's help, how to let your friends see that light for themselves. And if you're not around them, it's going to be much harder to shine the light. So I would say in the environment, maybe it's school, maybe it's work, a sports team, a locker room, wherever, let the light shine. And it's not too hard to do that nowadays, especially with social media. You can, if you posted all bad things... Before, well, you don't have to do that anymore. You be the light even in those news feeds. So I just want to, that's, that's how I would approach it. As we close out this morning, um, I just want to read Exodus 33 uh, for us. And then we're going to pray. And uh, Sam and Sabrina, I see that you guys are here. You're getting married in two weekends. 
And uh, before we close, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to come forward after. And we just want to pray over you guys as you prepare for this wonderful new life together. But Exodus 33, verse 15 and 16 says this. Um, Moses basically asked God and he said, Lord, how, you said that you're going to use me to, to bring everyone to the promised land. But how is it going to happen? Who's going to come with me to do it? So in a response, in this conversation, that's where we pick it up in verse 15. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people if you don't go with us? For your presence, here's Moses' declaration that I want you to catch. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. And it's God's presence in our lives that changes things. It's God's presence that makes me more salty and makes the light that I am shine more brightly. So... Stay in God's presence. That's the secret. Find your secret place with God. Go there often and be set apart from the world. You know, Jesus was around people almost, I can't say 100% of the time, but a lot of the time. But you know what? It takes time in Scripture to indicate to us that it says Jesus often withdrew from the crowd and went to pray. He went to have alone time with his daddy. And I want you to know that you need to find your alone time with God. It's in His presence, the Bible says, that there's fullness of joy. And it's important for us to be in His presence, not just worshiping Him, being with Him. Because I could be in a room with Spencer, but not, I'm in His presence, but I'm not actually spending time with Him. I could be on the other side of the room, but when I intentionally... I'm in His presence, but spending time with Him, then I I get everything I need. Right, Spencer? (laughs) But that's how it is with God. So, Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So, spend time in God's presence and cling tightly to His word. Because that is the lamp to guide our feet and the light for our path. Can you say amen? So navigating the narrow road, it's not easy, but we must do it. Would you stand? And I'm going to invite Sam and Sabrina to come. And I, I want to pray over you. And we're all going to stretch our hands as they come, as they start a new life together. You thought I forgot, right? But I don't know if you're going to be here next Sunday. So I wanted to pray as we have the opportunity to have both of you here this morning. Church, would you just stretch out your hands to them? As uh, we thank God, they both serve the Lord with willingness. And uh, my prayer for both of you is that together now, God will multiply um, your influence for His glory, for His kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning that uh, Sabrina and Sam have given their lives to you. And Lord, now they prepare to give their lives one to the other. For many, many years, God, as many years as you would grant them. Lord, I pray that you would use them in a mighty way. And Lord, even in the days leading up to their wedding, I pray that, Lord, you would calm any anxiety. Lord, any any details that are maybe not quite finished yet. Lord, would you just give them the strength they need, but also the peace they need to approach this day. Lord, a marriage is much more than one wedding day. Lord, the wedding day is what starts the rest of their lives together. 
And I just pray, Lord, a blessing over them. May that day be beautiful. We pray for good weather. We pray for favor in every way possible. And Lord, I pray especially for their ministry as husband and wife to the one to the other, but also, Lord, for your kingdom's sake. Use them in a great and mighty way in these last days, I pray. And Lord, I thank you for our church now. I pray that you would bless us as we leave this place. May we take what we've heard, and Lord, let the seeds go down deep, I pray. Let us be the church wherever we may find ourselves to be your hands and feet extending. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit accompany us on our way. In Jesus' name. Amen. We will see you, Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.